You're listening to the IVP Heat Seekers Podcast, part of the rotoheat.com family of podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Monday night. You are watching the IDP Heat Seekers. <clears throat> I am your host, as always, Brad Menendez, with my usual suspects, Craig Reith and Paul Velboom. Right. Um, yeah, tonight's episode is going to be fun. We're going to, it's a little bit more laid back. We're going to be doing questions. We got some, uh, some Q&A from the community, and it'll be fun to, to, to answer the things that they've been asking about. We're also going to do just kind of a couple of About Us type questions to uh, give you guys a better feel for us, especially those of you that, that subscribe to and listen to the pod, you know, give you a little bit of a vibe of who we are, uh, kind of our fantasy makeup and things like that. So it'll be a fun night. Um, we've got some questions and, and, you know, as always, if you have questions, make sure you post them in the chats. Uh, we will answer them live on the air uh, Monday nights and, and then obviously on the pod whenever you listen to it. So, uh, but we're going to hit it hard tonight with a ton of news, you know, so we're in training camp. We're starting to see pads on players, guys getting knocked around. And unfortunately, guys getting knocked around means some of those guys tore ACLs and ruptured tendons and all sorts of stuff. Uh, IDP wise, I don't necessarily know how relevant he is anymore in IDP, but Gerald McCoy is our first guy. He's down for the season confirmed. Um, gentlemen, do you have any feelings one way or the other about McCoy, especially in defensive tackle specific leagues? Uh, is there any, is that anything you want to add to his injury? Craig, how about you, buddy? If you have to start, you have more, to start than more than one specific, specific defensive tackle in a league, I think you'd be a fine DT2 to, to start. Um, not a lot of leagues, like, leagues that. like that. He's not overly, He's not overly relevant, relevant for most of them. Uh, it's going uh, to hurt the Cowboys more. more. You know, they had more or less a sort of veteran line there now with what's going to be Poe, Griffin, Lawrence, and McCoy probably as their starting four. McCoy was a solid veteran that was able to contribute last year. He wasn't as splashy as he was younger. He was younger in Tampa. So fantasy-wise, so fantasy not, wise, not as many implications as this real life. Paul? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the same thing. It's, same thing. If, if, you, have, if you have odd leagues, odd leagues he's just out. He's just out. Um, I, think um, I think it affects Lawrence, Lawrence and Quinn, Quinn more from an, more actual, from an or actual or no. Griffin. 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 Um. Um, it affects them more from an actual fo- football, uh, football perspective, but, but yeah, fantasy yeah, wise, fantasy there's, wise there's, there's not many leagues, not many that, leagues play that, that play that deep. It's where he's relevant. He's releasable almost in even deeper defensive tackle leagues at this age and injury history, and yeah, he's releasable for sure. Yeah, I did. I, he's not a guy that I was jumping all on board either. I mean, I you know I've never been a huge McCoy fan, even when he was semi fantasy relevant. Uh, you know, but there are situations where I've had to spot start him back in the day. So, uh, uh, there's a report out that Melvin Ingram is sitting out because of his contract. Um, this one's a little more fantasy relevant. Melvin Ingram is a guy that that people were playing and starting on a regular basis. Um, are you guys concerned about this, uh, Paul? And I'll kick it back to you first. Um, um, I try. Not I try not to worry myself, worry myself with, with contracts, contracts just, as just as a general. General. I know. Every, I know every. I'm an FSU, I'm an FSU fan. fan. I own. I own Cook, Cook in, in lots, of lots of leagues. 
every Alexander, every Alexander Madison owner, Madison was, owner was was just hit me up. Hey, what are you, hey, are you gonna, gonna give me? And, and give me? And, and my answer was a very stern. A very stern no, thanks, no thanks. I'm not concerned. You hardly you hardly ever see contract holdouts into the season where they last more than. Two three, four two, three, four weeks. weeks. I'm, just not I'm just not concerned about it. About it. It's, it's, not it's not something that you can, you know, you know, not concern yourself with. If it happens, it happens. I understand it. He's got a family, and he'll make the best decision for him, hopefully. But that being said, it is the Chargers, and they let Gordon walk. That was probably smart. But it's the same. It's the same money, tight. Um, team there um am i concerned no but i'm i'm just never i don't tend to concern myself as much with the holdouts either um what i will say is you know in terms of fantasy relevance like brad said he is more fantasy relevant um he was i believe like a d-line 20 last year in terms of scoring which is you know for most leagues if you're looking at 10 or 12 Team, I believe, like her D line 20 last year in terms of scoring, which is you know, for most leagues, if you're looking at 10 or 12 teams, you're looking back end of a two, probably top of a three. And I don't have much of a reason to think that he'd be anything greater than that or anything much lower than that if he was healthy. You know, they got a lot of they've gotten some help in their linebackers with Murray that we talked about, but you know, it's basically the same sort of thing. They have Joseph there instead of the D tackles that they had last year, but it's no major changes in my mind. It's him and Bosa on the defensive line that you'd be looking at. Bosa's the main guy. And if you have Ingram as your second or third defensive line, you're probably all right with it. It's nothing long term going to be amazing, but for a season, it gets you by. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, you know, Ingram's a guy that, that I would have been trying to sell anyway. Um, you know, in the even before this, I'm just not, you know, not a huge, uh, huge fan of his IDP prospects, and have been for, you know, basically since Bosa came in town. He's kind of the the edge I would have wanted there. Um, you know, the Jaguars uh, lost a couple of depth pieces in Aaron Lynch retiring, and then um, I can't think of the other guy's name, but Javon Hargrove. Oh, is it Hargrove? Okay. No, it was Gunter. Oh, Rodney Today Gunter. Yes. Gunter. Yep. So, but it, Hargrove might have been earlier. Yeah, so the, oh, I'm the, sorry. Hargrove was on the Eagles. I'm yeah, sorry. So the Jaguars keep losing defensive linemen, which uh, will mean more snaps for guys like Josh Allen and Taven Bryan. And, I mean, you know these guys are going to get a ton of playing time because there's just not a lot of options. Uh, so that could be good. Could be bad. I mean, I like Allen a lot. Tate, uh, Bryan hasn't really developed much uh, since, you know, since coming into the league. But, you know. I think this matters if you're looking, and we don't touch on it a whole lot, but uh, if you do team defenses, you weren't targeting the Jaguars as one of those teams, oh, i got to get them anyway. But this is just further depletion of their defensive line. You know, you alluded to the point these aren't guys who are going to be starting anyway. But it doesn't matter for team depth and what the team had planned for the season. This is the fourth, uh, fourth, third and fourth guy that they've lost. They lost two to the COVID opt-outs that they had planned on having here. Now they have two that are retiring. So for their plan and what they had set up going into the season, whatever that was going to be, it causes them problems, which to me just furthers them as a target. You know, someone you'd want to target going against in fantasy as far as playing guys, but also just even furthers them as someone that should remain on your team defense 
waiver wires if you have them all season because I don't see them being someone you'd want to play. Yeah, the Jaguars. Jaguars are a bit scary. Paul, what do you? What's your take on this defense? Um, I remember Lynch when uh, when he was at Notre Dame, and I remember he was one of those elite of the elite high school kids. Um, if you would have said that he would have gotten one decent season in the NFL and the rest were just horrible. I would have looked at you dumbfounded. I think that uh, when they signed Jernigan, national champion Seminole, that um, I think that's a solid sign. I know he's got health issues, but Houston offered him $4 million, um, before they looked at him. So maybe the Jaguars think he still has something. He's a local guy from that area i think he he grew up like i don't know half an hour from the stadium or something lake city i think he was from um he's a solid sign i know brian is not what he hope or what they were hoping for i still think they're better than what maybe you're giving them credit for but it's basically Josh Allen on the D line, mm-hmm. and that's it. There's just, I mean, he's got elite of the elite upside, but as a team, yes, I would leave the defense on the wire unless they're playing the Jets or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, you know, when you're looking at a team defense, you have to think what what kind of turnovers and what kind of action you're going to get on them on a week-to-week basis, and it's going to be hard to get consistency out of these guys. Um, and and because of that, I would look elsewhere, especially because most of your um, leagues that would use a team defense are probably like 12-team leagues, and there's going to be plenty of defenses out there that you can grab, and you play the matchups. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think I've ever drafted a defense before the second to last round in the last you know five to ten years. Uh, because I know I'm going to drop them within a week or two and grab whatever is the new hotness. So, you know, um, from a, from an individual player perspective, you know, Josh Allen's the guy to have. Some of the linebackers will give you some production this year, um, and then some of the secondary will give you production because they're going to get thrown on a bunch. I mean, you know, some of your some of your younger guys and your rookies and things like that. But, um, yeah. Looking through the oh, go ahead, Craig. You got anything else? Just just agreeing with you. I mean, we talked about it last week. That secondary, who did they sign? Was it Brock? Uh-huh. Because uh, Rashard Melvin went out, and he was the only veteran, really, yep. in that secondary. So you're going to have a relatively younger, inexperienced defensive line, unless for some reason Ngakwe has a change of heart and comes back and wants to play with them. So a young defensive line, a couple linebackers, and not much in the secondary at all. It's just a recipe for problems in team defense. For sure. You know, and... Uh it's going to be an interesting season for the Jaguars. I feel like they're going to be taking a lot of lumps. You know, it's they're, they're trying to transform this thing and, and they're going through a ton of changes and it'll be interesting. Um, you know, I know, uh, from an injury perspective, I know, uh, Trey Wayne's also got hurt. Um, he's going to miss most of the season with surgery, uh, the Bengals corner. So, um, there were times where he was fantasy relevant because people like to throw at him, but he hasn't really been terribly fantasy relevant, uh, much of his career. Um, you know, we've seen some other things like J- Jaleel Day worked out with the Vikings, you know, so there's, um, there's some other little things, but nothing terribly fantasy relevant. 
Were there any other news and notes you guys wanted to talk about? You know, I know we obviously on the offensive side have lots of things going on uh, from the Jalen Hurd injury to the Des Bryant working out for the Ravens. I mean, there's there's things happening on the offensive side, but from the defensive side, there's just not a lot going on. Uh, besides Hargrove, but he said he's going to be out a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Trey Wayne's being hurt is the same as if he's out there. He's completely useless. <laughs> the only other one that made any sort of impact in my brain in any sort of major way was just uh, looking further down the road because I'm in that mindset with the COVID going on with all my teams. Um, Alford on the Cardinals had the same thing. I think he tore his pec. And he's out most of the year, they're thinking. Um, he's a cornerback, so again, they're not that important. But they don't have a whole lot of secondary depth there uh, with the Cardinals. And we know that offense is going to want to throw. And if they have another injury or people get sick or something, I mean, that's potentially going to be another defense that gives up a lot of points where people were hoping they were going to be turning it around this year. So... And in regards to rookies with Simmons, I know they said they're going to stick with him at linebacker, and I think that's a good plan. But sometimes when you get into the thick of it, your best laid plans get shot to heck, and you got to, you know, change things on the fly. So, you know, another example you might see Simmons on just, just speculation, but bad stuff starts happening that secondary down the road. Something to look out for. The dual positionality, in theory, he could be huge if he had that as a defensive back. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's so talented and so versatile that he could play at any of those positions. We saw it in college. So uh, I think that's only helpful, more helpful for him because then you know he's going to be on the field more, getting a little bit more action, and that should lead to better fantasy production. Uh, um, also uh, with uh, Simmons, if, if you can handle the swings and he becomes safety eligible – you're potentially looking at a top three or four undisputed safety. And that's some fairly serious upside. I know he's got a solid upside as a backer, but safety, it's it's a thinner position. It'd be like saying, hey, your decent receiver is now tight end eligible for an offensive side. Mm-hmm. If he becomes safety eligible... You've hit a home run. Oh, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see how that that develops throughout the off uh, this the training camp and into the season. I I don't know that that any of the sites are really going to move them to uh, to safety eligible as well. But if they do, that you know that's huge. <clears throat> All right, so that's most of the news and notes, uh, most of the fantasy relevant news and notes. So tonight we're like I said, we're doing Q and A's. Um, we have about five or six questions from the community that we thought would be really good to bring up and chat about. Um, and then I also wanted to include a couple of, you know, kind of get to know us ones. You know, you've seen me on Roto Heat and on the different streams forever, uh, but Craig and Paul, not so much. So I want to make sure that you guys get to know these guys um, a little bit more. You know, maybe uh, depending, we're not going to go too deep because we don't want Paul, full Paul. We don't, we never go full Paul, uh, but, you know, we want to get out there and have a little fun and, and just kind of liven the show up a little bit you know we've been hitting our top lists and talking about different players and different things over the last few months so we figured we'd, we'd bring it back down a little bit and help you get to know us uh, so first and foremost before we get to the idp related questions uh, we'll start with you paul so outside of fantasy football you know talk about 
who you are, what you do, and then give us a little bit of your fantasy football experience, you know, how long you've been playing, when you do IDP, things like that. Okay. Um, general interest. If you want to hop on COD here tonight or tomorrow night, hit me up. Send me a message. We'll, I'll, we can certainly play. Um, and the reason that's been put on is because uh, Fridays used to be golfing, and now it's in the office because hashtag essential. Um, I am almost a scratch golfer. On Friday, we had a scramble. We took first, and it was me holding out from uh, from uh, 40 out to win the scramble, you know. Um, no, I've been playing fantasy football ever since 04, ever since I met Craig. Um, we played down in Lee Hall down in 04, and my first ever selection was Clinton Portis, and it didn't work out. Um, started playing keeper probably 05, 06, 07, somewhere in there. Um, first started playing Dynasty in 2010, and then ever since then, it's add this to it, add Devi, tune in Thursdays for that, shameless plug, I know. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of watching football, hitting up the office, I trade stocks, um, I can't say I'm the most knowledgeable on that, but I have knowledge on that. Um, Wednesday nights I do poker league, although not right now because it's older folks and some of them are in the high risk, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that is me. Craig? Yeah, I've been playing fantasy football since 2001. Um, and for a lot of you who uh, weren't playing back then necessarily, I'm going to read some of these names off to you in the order that I took them. Uh, it wasn't that big of a league. It was a work league. But uh, I had – it was 10 teams. I had Falk, Brian Greasy, Matt Stover, Miami's defense, Charlie Garner, Joe Horn, Machine Mohammed, Orande Gadsden, Gadsden, sorry, Jeff Thomason, Jeff George, Casey's defense, Jeff Hall. Got to get those two kickers right away, you know. Terry Allen, Heinz Ward, and uh, Johnny Morton. So that'll give you some of the names that I uh, had fun with back then. And like Paul said, I started playing with him. I don't think I was in the first year. I think it was 2005 looking back at it. But either way, 2004, 2005, it became a keeper league a few years after. He started his dynasty league in 2010. Um, the main league that Paul and I discussed started in 2012, which was my introduction to IDP. And then I think it was two or three years ago now. It seems like yesterday, but that's what 2020 does to your brain, um, that I started Debbie. So it's a few years anyway. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of leagues outside of actually having IDP. It's generally when I'm roped into something out of people guilt-tripping me that I'll take a team defense because if I have my druthers, we'd banish them all. But it's not everyone's cup of tea, just like kickers. Uh, Paul and I even had a league where we had punters for a season. So, I mean, other leagues do exist. Um, personal life, I'm not practicing out on my own or anything as an attorney, but I am a 
licensed attorney in the state of Wisconsin. I work for an insurance company dealing with auto and homeowner claims, so I have all sorts of fun with that. Uh, four kids at the house, the dog and cat keep me busy. Um, doing what I can to keep the house running and uh, kids alive. But beyond that, um, boy, I like to sleep when I can. Um, I'm into Pokemon Go, so if you want to be my son's Pokemon Go friend, because he has us playing all the time, we're doing that, and I know more about Pokemon now than I did when I was his age. So that'll tell you the sort of things. Legos, we have probably millions of Legos in our basement, um, so that is fun to walk over in the middle of the night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, didn't, I don't have a whole lot of hobbies, to be honest. I mean, it's kids... Fantasy football when I can get around to it, and that's generally it. Understandable, yeah. Kids uh, change the dynamics considerably. Uh, you know, I've got an eight-year-old and a soon-to-be six-year-old, and you know, I've since having children have become a dance mom, uh, dad, <laughs> if you will. You know, so I sit a dance class and I cheer them on and I help them learn their moves. I am a terrible yeah. dancer, so it's more explaining than showing. You know, so I know I know the feeling with kids. Things change everything, you know, and uh, and even even today, you know, on the ride to school or listening to like the greatest showman soundtrack. Like I never would have thought in a million years that, I, you know, I'd be listening to all these movie soundtracks of like poppy dance kids songs and things like that. And it just cracks me up because then, you know, throughout the day, I know them all. <laughs> it's like I'm just kind of going through my head and all that. You know, typically I'm a rocker. I listen to heavier stuff. It's. Yes, uh, it's always crazy. So you're saying that's a future Patreon level reward is you showing off your dance moves. I'm okay with that. Rotoheat.com slash Patreon. You definitely if you if you provide enough of that those uh those greenbacks, I will dance. Uh you yeah, can make, there we go, you can, people. You, you can make this guy dance for, for money. That just doesn't <laughs> sound right. Uh so you know, needless to say, it's uh you know, it's fun. I mean uh, uh not only being not only being a dad, but you know I've been doing fantasy football since '99. So uh, all my leagues for a while there were on pen and paper. You know, like we'd meet up at Buffalo Wild Wings for a draft, and I would write it all down and have to keep track of it. And each week, guys would you know would call in, and I would talk the scores and give everyone their stats and all that. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Think looking back, like I certainly appreciate the the sleepers of the world and the MFLs and things like that. And uh, you know, it's just so much more. <laughs> my wife heard me say dance for money so now she's well, look at some she, money <laughs> she, she's bringing the lincolns into the picture don't get us banned from youtube now that we're I'm, I'm telling on you. there uh... she's a bad influence is what i'm hearing <laughs> uh so you know so i've been doing it back since and and i pulled up my first league on mfl 2006 was when we i took my home league to mfl and uh, I'll just I'll just name off some of these gems my starting quarterbacks were mark bulger and chad pennington but I also had Tavares Jackson as a young player. Uh, I had Dominic Davis at running back, but Brian Westbrook was my only real running back. Uh, Hank Basket, Dion Branch, Isaac Bruce, Plaxico Burris, Reggie Wayne, Maurice Stovall when he was a thing. Uh, you know Robert Ferguson for you Packer fans. He was on my roster. My starting tight end was Jeremy Stevens. <laughs> uh, and that you know we have kickers and deep. So my home league is not come into the new decades um, we still do kickers and defense but in 2006 my defenses were cincinnati minnesota and i had john carney and steven goskowski so that'll that'll tell you everything you need to know about 2006 for my team which was not great 
did not go well for them. Uh, you know, so they it's didn't select uh, Jamarcus first overall in 07 like the Raiders did. Oh dear, sweet heavens, no, no. I uh, I think I actually punted that pick if I remember correctly. Like I'm a guy that so most years I don't have a first round pick until we get to the draft and then I trade for somebody's first round pick. Like this year I didn't have a first round pick in this league and then around pick 13 because it's a 16 team league. Uh, around pick 13, I was like, you know what? I think I want this pick. And then um, a guy called me and said, hey, I want I want Rieger. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure he's going to go here. I was like, well, yeah, pick 13. I was thinking about it because, you know, this league draft's crazy. I mean, like, it's a rookie and free agent draft because we don't do waivers throughout the year uh, because it's 16 teams and, you know, you want to have somebody to draft. Uh, so, you know, I wound up going. I traded for the pick and then immediately traded down and sold Jalen Rieger for multiple picks. So it was pretty funny. Um, I'm a guy that comes into drafts and I trade my picks. I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I know that I'll always get some later, you know? Yep. So needless to say, that was, that was that, um, IDP I've been doing for, uh, it feels like about 10 years now. I think it's probably pretty close to when I started doing IDP, uh, the most recent edition of that was 2016. So, Yeah. All right in that same range, it seems like. (laughs) Jaws. Sounds like you had a longer relationship with Hank Basket than Kendra. Yeah, that's probably true. Burn. Hank Basket, if you're watching. If you're listening, sorry, Hank. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, that being said, you can find all of us on the Roto Heat community. We are active on Facebook, in Discord. You want to chat with us, feel free to shoot us messages. We love to shoot the breeze and talk fantasy with you. Uh, so now on to the IDP side of things. Um, first question, uh, and it's kind of a mixed bag of random guys, but um, Rich over in the Facebook community asked, are Logan Ryan, Eric Reed, and Jadavian Clowney worth rostering? And I'll start with you, Paul. Um, I'm really glad that in the little sheet before the show, you put that it's one defensive line and, and one for all the others and one flex. In that one, the only one I would consider right now is Ryan. Um, Clowney is almost not ownable unless you're playing deeper. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been signed yet. I'm surprised he's he's still holding out for money. Reed is the same way. Um, Reed has more upside just because he's a below average player right now so he gets uh, thrown at a lot um, but uh, Ryan's the only one I would consider owning and if he's not signed by September 1st the bag might be uh, out of air on that one as well. What about you Craig? In a league like Paul read off of those you know, 12 teams and those starting requirements I don't see, I guess, the value in holding on to any of them. The leagues aren't deep enough to be hanging on to guys that aren't signed at this point to me. Um, you don't know where they're going to go, and that can matter a lot. You know, Reed's season was made by where he went last year and the fact that they had all those opportunities and he was thrown at that much. If he had gone to a situation like Green Bay where he's a backup and you were holding on to him or something, you're not going to get anything close to that. So right now you're putting out a hope and a prayer that these guys land somewhere where they're going to be relevant. But there's other people in a league that size 
with just those requirements that you could find that you're going to have more assured production out of, you know, barring injury, but that's for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when I saw the question, I was like, yeah, I'm leaving these guys on the free agent market. Now, Ryan and Reed, I think they're kind of priority watches. So if you're on like NFL, I'd put them on my watch list because what's going to happen is those two guys, if they go somewhere to a team that they are getting significant playing time, they're definitely serviceable players. Like I have no problem uh, Eric Reed was a guy that I played in some of my leagues last year on a regular basis when he was in Carolina because he had value. So, uh, but yeah, I'm leaving all those guys on in the uh, on the free agent wire. Um, so next question. So Charles over on YouTube wants to know top three rookie linebackers not named Queen and Simmons. I'll start with you, Craig, this time. Well, I mean Murray. Whether we're talking redraft or uh, dynasty. I mean, Murray's right up there for me. Um, the other one, I, you know, there's a lot that has to play out because most of the other guys, once you go down the list, aren't guaranteed to be starters. Um, Willie Gay, I really like. He's probably in the top three after those two either way. And then it's sort of who else do you want to, you know, hang your hat on going forward. For Dynasty, it probably would be, we've talked about him a lot here, Jordan Brooks. Um and if you're talking redraft, I mean, t- kind of take your pick. There's guys in, um, not St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams. There's guys in Cleveland. There's guys in Cincinnati. Any one of those battles, or even we talked about some um, last week and a few weeks ago, Philadelphia. I mean, you could have some rookies that go into starting spots that are going to get production. So for redraft, it's really just see how these things go in training camp and the start of the season and who do you have a chance to grab. But there's not a whole lot of rookie linebackers besides the ones that we talked about are on his list that have that what appears to be immediate shot at playing time. Paul? Um, I'm going to somewhat ignore the question <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm just going to list my top five overall. Um. From a dynasty perspective, it's either Simmons or Murray, number one. I still don't know who I have, number one. The other one's number two. Brooks is number three. I probably have Queen number four, although I'm not a big fan of his at all. I think that the bust percentage on him is a lot higher. Um, and yes, uh, there are other options not super high on, but if you're looking for someone that you can find for uh free 99, Davion Taylor of the Eagles, they drafted him in the third round. He has all the athletic upside that, that you're looking for and he's free. In almost every league I've seen, he is uh, literally free. Um, from a redraft perspective, uh, Murray one, Queen two, Simmons three, Gay four, and Brooks at five. But that, but that's for redraft, and you're not likely looking for rookies for redraft, anyways. Yeah, no, those guys are sitting on the waiver wire. <clears throat> um, you know, for me, I, I mean, I think what, what Craig said was pretty much spot on. It's kind of a 
Brooks, Gay, and uh, Murray are kind of the next three guys after your your top two. Um, I, I definitely would throw in, so, you know, you mentioned some of those guys. You know, we got to mention Jacob Phillips from the Browns, Logan Wilson from Cincy. Um, I'd even throw, because of what's going on in ja- in uh, Jacksonville, I'd throw Caleb on Chase on in there. I know he's a linebacker right now, but I bet they could move him around and do some different things because they're not going to have guys. I mean, they're going to need to put bodies, and he's got – a strong athletic profile I would have just rathered him as kind of a rush the passer d end more than a linebacker but those are guys that I would keep an eye on you know obviously Zach Bond with the Saints is going to be a guy that'll develop um I mean and even like a John Greenard and, and Evan Weaver are guys to keep an eye on but you know again these are you know it's important to know how deep your your league is so if your league isn't super deep most of these guys are going to be on the waiver and you can pick them up if they blow up. But, you know, if you have to start multiple linebackers and, you know, you have multiple spots, I mean, it's a more of a flexing type league, then some of these guys are rosterable. But most likely, they're probably all going to be, uh, you know, on the waiver wire, uh, ultimately, I would guess. And it matters, too. Um, we don't talk about this distinction a lot. I know we're going to be in the future more. But, if you're looking at a pure linebacker or a league where you have linebackers and edge, I mean, your lists are very different. You know, with that edge position coming into popularity, a lot of these people that we named off wouldn't necessarily fall into that linebacker category. So um, going forward, too, you know, if you guys have specific edge questions for us or the differentiation between the two and how we sort of rank them like that, let us know because it is a significant difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. But ultimately, all these names are guys to kind of keep an eye on. Um, obviously, the top five are kind of the top five, and you, there's really not a lot of wiggle room other than where you rank the five. <clears throat> all right, so the next question is, uh, I think it actually was again from Rich over on Facebook, but Von Bell, um, so he's kind of the third safety up in Cincy right now. You know, they have Sean Williams. Um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jesse Bates. Bates. Yeah, Jesse Bates, uh, Sean Williams, and now Von Bell. Uh, Paul, do you see value in Von Bell? Do you think he'll be successful with Cincinnati? Once they move on from Williams, I think you're looking at defensive back 10 to 20. I don't think he's going to hit that ceiling that he did in uh, New Orleans. I, I I know it was only last season that he, I think he was D back six or something last year. I don't think he gets that high again, just because I know they're going to, they're going to be on the field a lot, but Bates is solid. Um, If they move Williams early, maybe you kick the numbers up, but I think, Williams is the odd man out. You don't spend the money that they spent on him to just be like, oh yeah, you're the third safety. Mm-hmm. Bates isn't leaving the field and you don't spend that or he's 24, Williams is 28 or 9 and on an expiring deal. If he's not moved before week 6 or if Cincinnati if they have health issues, he stays. If if they do not have health issues and he's on the roster by week eight, I would be shocked. Sean Williams, 
that is. So that's going to open up the right. field for Bell, who they're not going to sit anyways. I don't see the ceiling, but the floor is there. What say you, Craig? All three of those guys were top 20 defensive backs in the scoring that we've talked about, so something's got to give. And it's probably going to be something for all three of them. You know, I'd, I'd be surprised if any one of the three, barring an injury, hits that uh, even mark where they had last year. Um, having two safeties that high, I mean, you, you see it more often than you'd probably think. You know, if they're healthy, the Rams have a couple guys that you'd see up there too. So, you know, there's definitely, when you have a situation with not a ton at linebacker and where you're getting thrown on a lot, you can have a team support two very good safeties fantasy-wise, but three is pushing it unless you have something like Paul mentioned a couple weeks ago where they decide, you know, we're going to play you sort of more like a linebacker more often than not. You could get another one on the field then, but at the same time, you have all three guys on the field. They can't all get plays. You know, they're eating into each other, so you're probably looking at a lower floor this year. Um, and a lower ceiling. I mean, it's just the nature of having three really talented guys at the same position. They can't all eat at the same time. Well, and I think, um, you know, based on the division they're in, I think since he's kind of trying to look at the the Chargers blueprint on how to stop, you know, like the Lamar Jacksons of the world, you know, you saw L.A. in that playoff game a couple years back deploy a ton of safeties. I think they had three or four on the field at a time trying to, to limit the run. From an NFL perspective, that's a great idea. From a fantasy perspective, that's just, you know, it's becoming like the New England Patriots running back core. You don't know who to start on a week-to-week basis, so you don't start any and you just look elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the the direction that I'm taking with Cincy is it's like, I'm just a little nervous with all these guys. I like Bates' talent. I like Bell's talent. I even like Sean Williams' talent. Um, he's getting older, but he was still a, he's been a solid safety in fantasy. Um, but ultimately, you know, I either look to trade or look to move or, you know, kind of go a different direction uh, with with this situation. Now, with their with their young linebackers, I can make a case and I can build the storyline that Von Bell sees the field more because they've got young linebackers that maybe won't learn the scheme quickly and they need, you know, kind of veterans out there. But, you know, even that, I don't know that it's fantasy relevant. So Von Bell may be a guy that I'm either stashing to see how he develops or I'm trading if somebody's actually going to trade for him, which... I doubt that's really going to happen right now. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jonathan Abram, where do you guys see him finishing this year if he's healthy? Craig? I'm not as high on him as I know Paul is. I mean, if he's healthy, safety-wise, they don't have a whole lot else in the, the secondary there. I think is it Harris is the other one. He might have moved on this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, Joiner. Jamarcus. Yeah, Lamarcus Joiner. And you know he's a serviceable pro. Um, there you go, Paul. But he's nothing special. So you know he's going to be the guy. You know in that secondary you'd want to own if you're going to be owning someone that in a straight just defensive back type league. And I, you know, he's got DB one upside. I just don't necessarily think he's going to get that this year. Like, like the guy mentioned, you have to stay healthy, which has been uh, you know a problem. Um, and with those linebackers that they added, just getting more of those tackles that may have gone by last year, I think that ceiling isn't as high. If he's healthy, probably a mid-DB2, low-DB1 at best. What about you, Paul? Um, they do have 
Littleton, and Kwiatkowski. But Eric Harris was fairly solid from a fantasy perspective the last, I don't rem- uh, remember how many he, he played, six games, eight games, ten games, whatever he played. Um, and Abram's a hitter and a hitter only. Um, he, he can be had young, fairly cheap, and if we know that he's going to eat a lot, um, I really like him. Um, and if you're following, getting him young, eating a lot, and you can get him cheap, it's an Albert Fish reference, everybody, and that's your one per show. Um, where do I think he finishes? I think he finishes anywhere from D-back 5 to 12 to 15 overall. Um, I don't know if he's got the sheer upside just because he's not going to have a lot of interceptions. But they might get a lot of fumbles there also, which which he picks up. Um, I just like him more than Craig just off the athletic profile. Um, and the and and we know he's going to see the field if he's healthy. Yeah, my concern with him is the is the injuries. Like he like you said, he's a hitter. He throws himself at receivers and 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 the players that are coming his way. And I I kind of liken him to uh, to Lions Tracy Walker, where they're really good hitters. They're also really going to break themselves apart because they're just they're just trying too hard to hurt people. Um, if he's healthy, my guess is probably a DB2, you know, kind of in the 12 to 24 range. Um, I don't see the ceiling just because I don't trust Oakland's defense. I think the tackles will get kind of wrapped up between the linebackers because they're just so good and they're so so good at covering sideline to sideline. Um, I just don't know. I don't know how much meat will be left on the bone for guys in the defensive secondary. So, Mike, I'm concerned there uh, in, in some of those those instances, and, and especially because I see teams running on them a lot more because their defensive line is still developing. Um, and, and depending on how you feel about Farrell and some of these guys, I don't know how strong it's going to be to stop the run. So I'm kind of in the in the in the DB two category for him, and probably about where I'd see him uh, at least this year. Uh, but I also don't expect him to stay healthy all year. So you sort of see him like Bob Sanders was back in the day when you're talking about him oh, and yeah. Walker. Yeah, a big Bob Sanders. Yep. All right. So next up, uh, Derek Brown. Is he good? Will he be good in the short term and the long term? Paul, I'll kick it to you first because I know how much you don't like him. I thought they wasted a selection on him. I have no clue how they did not select Isaiah Simmons ahead of him. I don't understand it at all. He is a... I think... I didn't have a big board overall. But he probably would have uh, fallen between 25 to 40 overall for me. He's just a limited athlete. Um, if he's someone that you're playing in a defensive tackle specific league, he's got a nice little floor. Um, I don't think he's going to have a lot of sacks that go with it, but you'll have a nice uh, floor at high end DT1, low end, or to. Or, I'm sorry, low-end one, high-end two. He just kind of is what what he is. Um, But I thought there were other uh, rookies that were better than he was. I thought 
Gallimore was better. Blacklock, I thought he was. Um, and these are guys that went in the second round and the third round, and they took him seventh overall. I was not a fan of the pick at all. Uh, Craig, how about you? Yeah, he's one of those guys that leading up to the draft, there was a lot of range and where they were talking about him falling. And I was surprised to, I mean, probably not as much as Paul is, you know, coming from the Debbie heavy side of it. He's, he knows more about these guys and has stronger opinions in college of them than I do. But, you know, from leading up to the draft, which is when I do most of my prep on these guys, I didn't see anything that just screamed top end talent. Um, you know, he's, he was productive, I thought, in college, and he was able to make plays, but one of the concerns was effort for him. And time and time again, you see effort guys or guys with effort issues not make it in the NFL for whatever reason. And I'm not saying he won't, but where they took him, you know, I understand the logic of building up that defense, especially with the new coaching staff. You know, he's going to sort of be able to adapt what he had and what he brought in for the offense. But changing up that defense to be what they want, it's sort of like what we talked about Jacksonville in the big picture of there's going to be a lot of growing pains and it's probably not a defense you're going to want to have this year. But Brown specifically, I think he could turn out to be fine in a defensive tackle specific league. But long term, I he D-lined three. At best, just because you don't see a whole lot of defensive tackles, you know, making it when you don't have to start a defensive tackle. When you're in that DEDT combo sort of league, most defensive tackles just aren't going to give you the production where you want them as your one or two. So if you're drafting him in the fourth or fifth round, you're hoping for that, you know, that ceiling that I guess I don't see happening. Yeah, my biggest concern is is the type of defense that Carolina is looking to deploy. You know, they're uh, if you if you look at all the pundits, they're kind of moving towards a three four, and if they do a three four a, tr- a more traditional three four, then uh, I think that's going to ruin his value because then you're asking him to be a nose tackle in a three four system. He's just eating up space and taking on blockers. He's not really making a lot of things happen behind the line of scrimmage potentially i just don't see the value play there uh in 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 the long term at least i think if they're if they're spending more time in nickel and he's got a d tackle next to him to help i think that would be better for him um you know in defensive tackle specific leagues he's probably defensive tackle too maybe you know he's not a guy that i've jumped on i think In my deepest IDP league, I did put him on my taxi squad just because there wasn't a lot of things to put out there. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of kind of where I'm at with him. All right. Uh, and, and it looks like we do need to talk about Kinlaw a little bit. Was that you, Paul, that mentioned Kinlaw? Uh, yeah. If you're having an argument over who to select, just take Kinlaw. Don, would you rather have the guy who's in a 3-4 who doesn't have... I know that Burns and uh, YTGR edge, but they're not really line help. Uh, would you rather have the guy who's in a 3-4 who doesn't have solid 3-4 uh, ends 
Or would you rather have the guy who's in a 4-3 who can push up the field and is the third best guy on his own team with Eric Armstead and Bosa? He's going to see a lot of single coverage there. He's pretty clearly over Brown um, unless uh, you're playing like a super tackle-heavy format. Um, he's pretty clearly ahead for me. I think it'll be interesting. You know, the Panthers have specifically been evasive, I think, on their defense of what they're doing. The most recent stuff from their defensive coach said that they're not going to deploy just one front. You know, they're going to be more of a multitude of fronts. So what sort of playing time Brown gets and what position and who he has around him will go a long way to seeing what sort of value he has. Like you guys said, if he's in a 3-4 right now, I don't think he really fits that very well, and most of the time those guys aren't the most productive. But if he does be one of the two D tackles in a 4-3, if you have YTG or YGT, my acronyms are off here, Brian Burns has looked really good, and you know I think he showed a lot of promise. I'm probably actually higher on Brian Burns than Paul somehow, um, which is odd considering he's a Florida State guy. But you know if those guys can grow and take all that next step together in a couple of years, I mean that defensive line could just be hard to defend against. Period, because then you're picking your poison, which will lead to more opportunities for Brown. So I think as that sort of defense goes and grows that'll tell you where his upside is and how high it is for sure. All right. So Jaws is asking on YouTube, keeping D law and Mac at edge need to cut one or two of Fowler, Everson Griffin, or Brian Burns. That new position designation on flea flicker makes me think of getting more of the LB type of edge guys. So really kind of a, just a one question with, with a comment. So are you keeping Fowler, Griffin, Brian Burns, which, which one, or two, would you keep kind of what's your order? What's one, two, and three in your mind of keepable guys? Um, Griffin's out. Griffin's the guy you're uh, releasing. Um, I, I'm just not a Burns fan. He's a one-trick pony. For me, he has been, yeah, um, he's been that way since he's been in high school, unfortunately. Yes, I did scout him when he was in high school. Um, But I I can't do it. I can't pick a Florida Gator or Burns. I can't, I, I just can't let the, it's probably fairly even there between Fowler and Burns, but my ego is not going to let me pick the guy who played at Florida. I'm I'm taking Burns as far as keeping with those two. I'm keeping Burns first. And then, to me, it's a toss-up between the other two, because Griffin, I think, is long-term... I don't even know if that, I'd say that's true. I mean, it's very possible that Fowler and Griffin are in the league the same amount of time left here. Um, Griffin's just more of a consummate professional than Fowler has been consistently throughout his career in terms of production. The only thing that, and take this what you will, having two defensive end edge type guys, if you're having Griffin, I know it's a one-year deal, but him and Lawrence, 
I wouldn't feel great starting both of them, you know, if you have to. If something happens to your, to Mac, you know, you're starting Mac every week that he's out there. But and maybe that's the cowboy pessimist in me that's been there for the past 15 years or whatever it's been. But uh, I, I'd have a hard time starting Griffin and Lawrence together. I mean, to me, it's burned pretty easily and then a coin flip with what you like more or the other two. Griffin will do more for you this year. So if you're thinking, I'm going to keep him one year and then, you know, do something else next year, I guess I'd go Griffin because then, you know, it's only two out of four as opposed to two out of three. But Fowler, the one-year production, um, as Shania Twain said, that don't impress me much. Really? That just happened. Wow. Bam, we got to balance bam, out the bam, references. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I'm, Burns is is who I'm keeping, uh, you know, and the other two, I mean, Fowler I used last year. I picked him up, and, and I was playing him on a weekly basis because he was productive. Um, moving to Atlanta, I don't know that that was helpful for his value uh, because they'll wind up putting him more as a, as a hand-in-the-dirt guy, and I don't know if he can be successful doing that as much as he was in uh, what he was deployed in L.A.'s defense. So, uh, and ultimately – you guys should be doing movie references, not all this other nonsense y'all are doing. Movie references. My background, that's what the movie references for, Brad. Ah, you asked about our personal lives. Here it goes. You asked yeah. for it. And, you know, like you said, my thing with Fowler, though, is that, like you said, it was one year last year, and it was all big plays. If you're looking for any sort of consistency, I don't know how you trust him. Even when he was in Jacksonville, He'd have weeks where he gets you half a point, one point, and then he goes off and gets two sacks and two tackles for a loss, and maybe he wins you the week. But if he disappears three out of every four weeks, I just I don't know how you're trusting to have that guy. To, to me, I can't. But right, maybe Absolutely. he turned it around. I don't think so, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be a tough one for me to to think he really did. He uh, hasn't been smart since he's been in high school. And yes, I, I scouted him when he was in high school. He's been an idiot since he's been in high school. Is this in-person scouting or film scouting? Don't answer that question. <laughs> uh, all right, so final question. Which IDP positions are you looking to load up on and make sure you have an extra stash of? Uh, kind of vague question, but I think it, it can be kind of universal even if you're in leagues that start corners and D tackles and some of that, because I think it's kind of universal, the importance of certain positions. Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. Um, load up on. I'm going to make sure that I get uh, one of the top uh, three or four defensive ends. Um, I'm going to make sure I get a safety. And then I'm going to quote unquote load up on extra linebackers at the end because I feel that, that they're easier to find good backers. You're not just going to sit there and find a guy who gets 14 sacks off the waiver wire. I can find someone off the waiver wire who's going to get me 110 tackles um, comboed up. Um, I feel I can find that, so I'm going to quote-unquote load up on backers. Um, I'm assuming this is a line backs um, and line backers specific, but I'm going to load up on those middle 
the backers. What about you, Craig? I'm, I would be loading up and like stashing players at positions, kind of like Paul said, where it's harder to find a really good guy. And, you know, for me, historically, that's been defensive ends, defensive tackles. You know, if you're doing DT specific, I'm going to be finding a guy like last year, someone like Jeffrey Simmons at the end of a draft and stashing him because the guy's got all the potential in the world and he's not going to, you know, come out guns blazing the first year. Even if he was healthy, you know, in the position that he was in, I don't think he was just going to come out and be immediately fantasy relevant. Those guys generally take more time to come along. Even someone like Daniil Hunter, you know, he was a later draft pick. He had to learn the game and then he, he gets a chance to start and he's able to come through. So those sort of positions, if you're talking about there's cornerbacks, Paul's advocated this from the start. You can find a cornerback off the waiver wire once the season gets going. I wouldn't be investing in that uh, long-term because the guys that are really good for you probably aren't really good year in and year out. Safeties and linebackers, I can, I feel that I can generally find more of later, so I'd probably wait to take them in a draft. And I, I would have more of them because I'm, you know, kind of going with dart throws like all right here's five guys that i think are going to pan out and be good if i get one or two of them that are really good well it's worked for me but the positions that i really feel that i want to stash guys at are those probably defensive line positions where you're going to have to find a talent you like and hold on to him until he gets that playing time to pan out because most guys on the d line just aren't going to come out and be amazing the first couple of years right yeah, for me, I like to try to, you know, and, and and thinking of the different leagues I have and trying to kind of come with this universal truth, I try to store a guy at each position, at each level, I should say. So either a DND tackle, if I'm in a, in a specific league that uses that, a linebacker and a safety of some sort, you know, and typically I look for guys that, you know, like you guys said, will take some, could take some time to develop, have, have the traits or skills that I really think could be uh, could become really, really nice at some point fantasy wise. But yeah, I try to try to get a D end, try to get a lot extra linebacker, try to get a safety, um, depending on how the league flows and, and what extra values are there. Sometimes that becomes, you know, multiple linebackers or multiple safeties based on kind of the value, you know, the year that John Johnson came out in the draft, I think I had loaded up on two or three safeties because I like the safety group wound up flipping all of them, but Johnson and Johnson kind of became the guy I started using a year or two later. So you know, it, it, it kind of varies based on obviously your league size, but, you know, universally, I try to hit it all three levels because there's always going to be need to have that next guy up uh, because, you know, NFL is not for long. So and we know that eventually those guys stop having value and it tends to be quicker on the defensive side. Uh, I feel like I'm churning my defensive roster quite regularly, uh, it seems like these days. So um, that being said, that's it. All the questions are answered. Thank you guys over on YouTube and on Facebook for, for pumping us with some questions. Thanks for listening to the IDB Heat Seekers podcast with Brad Menendez, Craig Reith, and Paul Belden. You can find us over on Twitter at Roto Heat Fantasy or at rotoheat.com.